Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. And we continue to proclaim your word. But this is the day that the Lord has made. And we shall rejoice in it, Lord. The devil didn't make this day. The devil has never made a day. It is you who make every day. And we will not allow the enemy to determine the outcome of this day. If you made the day, then this day is good for us. And we shall rejoice. Your mercies are new this day. Your grace is sufficient for us today. There is bread at the Father's table. There is more than enough for the children. There is healing. There is peace. There is strength. And there is power. And by faith we come to the table of our Father. And we eat of the bread with the Father. And we believe and receive that healing we need for our bodies. The peace in the midst of the storms. And the strength to face everything that we face today. And the power to do the will of God in our lives, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. We bind the powers of darkness, the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of depression, the spirit of death that is hovering over this world, over the church, over the body of Christ. I bind you in the name of Jesus and I command you to leave the body of Christ in Jesus' name. And I speak healing and I speak wholeness. I speak open ears and open heavens that your people will hear. They will believe and they will walk in the power of God. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we are with Nehemiah and we are looking at how does say, how does God we are not born leaders, okay? We are not born leaders, but we are born to be leaders. And uh, how God makes his leaders. The world has its own leaders who rule over others. And God has his leaders who serve others. There are two different principles. So if you go to uh, business school, you will learn different things. If you go to God, he will send you to the wilderness <coughs> where only you can learn these principles, okay? If Nehemiah had properly lived in Jerusalem under a king of Israel, he probably would have never become a leader. He had to be enslaved and be taken to Babylon. And in that situation, he became a leader. I'm not saying that everyone who goes into the wilderness, everyone who faces trials or storms become what they can become. Like, uh, <clears throat> it's how we respond to our situations. Whether we become bitter or better, it's the choices that we make. And yesterday we saw the walls are almost, walls are done, and now only the gates are to be. And uh, we saw there is an outcry, right? There is an outcry, and uh, how uh, Nehemiah intervenes in the whole situation. And the reason he's able to bring. Uh, A resolution is simply because of not his words. It's because of who he is. 
who he is, his character. Okay, That's what the Bible says about Jesus, that he was made in the appearance of man. God did not come as God to save mankind. God had to become man to save mankind. He had to be, he had to be framed in the likeness of man, in the infirmities of man. That's what he has always done. He could, Moses could never become a leader who would bring Israel out because he had grown up in the palace. He didn't know what they were going through. He had never experienced that, though he was the one who was called. So he had to go to the wilderness and he had to there be 40 years and practically in bonded labor to another man in Median. And then he understood what life was like. Then he could come back and he could identify with his brothers. The beginning at 40 was being a champion for them because he thought, but he did really did not know what they were going through. Okay, and same thing you see this through the principle. Saul never went through that. Solomon never went through that, but David went through that. And therefore David is that person. Because the reason is, uh, um, the devil is after who we are. Who we are. That's what he's after. The, the kingdom of God and the world is different. The world will say, Blessed are you when you have money. The blessed are you when you have fame. The blessed are you when you have reputation. Blessed are you when you have degrees. That's how blessed. When you have. But Jesus turns it on the head and says, Blessed are you when you're poor in the spirit. It's who you are. It's not who what you have. He turns it completely. Blessedness is who you are. And if you are not this... And in spite of having everything else in the world, you are a wretched man. You may have the rich, maybe the richest man on earth, but if you are not what God says you are, blessed are the poor in the spirit, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who mourn. No, all these things is basically who you are. And if we are not that, we are not blessed. Though the world will say you are blessed because you got money, you got possessions, you got a name, you got a reputation, but God says you are not blessed. You are wretched. You are wretched. And that's what Saul of Tarsus was. He had reputation. He had name. He had wealth. They said he was a very wealthy man before he met Christ. And he was on the road to be in the Sanhedrin. So he had everything going for him. But when he encountered Christ, he said, wretched man that I am. He says, I have everything, but I am not what God is looking for the person. Okay, so please understand, even we go through situations and uh, the road to life is narrow. Man may make it broad, the devil may make it broader, but God will never change the way. The road to life is very, very narrow and straight is the gate and he says very few will find it. Very few will find it. It's because people still think about blessedness as what we have. Even in ministry, <laughs> even in ministry, you know what they think about? They look at how many people listen to you, how many people are there in your church, how big is your building, and they look at all and they say, you know what, you are blessed. It's got nothing to do with that. Even ministry, even I know, even in our place where we gather, though it's not our place, the pastors who come for the pastor's conference or the ones who come after us look at the parking lot and say, oh, 
so many cars. All EMI, so many cars. How they look at, how people look at, and we have to, we have to, until we start seeing through God's eyes, we could read the same portion and still take principles of the world and go. And we still miss out from becoming what God wants us to become. So don't get it wrong. What are we doing? We are trying to be a, to be a leader, a person after God's own heart, not a leader in the ways of the world. Because if we become like that, we will ultimately fail, ultimately fail. And that's why every man of God, almost every man of God in the Bible, when God calls him, he moves into failure. Whether it is Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Joseph or Moses or Joshua. You look at one man or Elijah or David, everybody fails. Why does God allow it? Because he says, if you have to be a leader, you have to be a leader after all, my own ways. And the minute you try something else, I will allow you to fail. I will not allow you to succeed in your way because you represent me. Understand that. Not a single one of them succeeded when they tried to short-circuit. While in the world you would succeed, immediately you would circuit. But they all failed when they tried shorter. He allowed them to fail. So please understand what we are looking at. Now we'll turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Resolution was made yesterday with chapter 5. They all made a promise, an oath. No more usury with brothers. Yeah, we finished that, 5. Today is 6, 1 to 4. Now it happened when Sanbalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, the Trinity, okay, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sanbalat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. And when they thought to do me, but they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. Okay? You need to realize, you are a child of God and you are doing the work of God. In your life, whatever it is, work of God, the devil is not going to leave you alone. He will try different tactics. Okay, the walls were up now. Now only gates need to be hung, and the enemy knows he's got a very little time left. Once the gates are on, the gates will take a long time to make. Again, will take time to make because it's not small gates; it's a city gates. Okay, knows he has very little time left because once the gates are up, then access is is. In your hands, not in his hands. Access denied. So, okay. So, the walls are down. Fundamental. It's great. The walls are down. Doctrine has been set. Doctrine has been set. But gates are open. There are no gates. There are no gates. Once gates are shut, you have the discernment what to keep out and what to let in. Walls will only keep out. Gates allow. Allow. So, people have doctrine, but people do not have discernment. Okay, people have doctrine, but they do not have discernment. What to let in? Because when you do not have, you only have doctrine, when you do not have discernment, you still can be fooled. You know, because the enemy comes in like a 
preacher of righteousness. He comes closed as the angel of light. So he will come through the gates. Because your doctrine is good, you look at him and say, oh, you come in. But you do not have discernment. So the gates are open. Now what are they doing is, if you come to verse 2, Nehemiah is now being tempted. Okay? Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of honor. He is being tempted to, to a parley. Come. These are big guys, remember. These are all big guys. Okay, come, come. Okay, meaning say, okay. Anyway, we tried to stop you, you finished. So now at least, you know, elections are over. Let us sit together and talk how we can take this nation forward. Good, very nice sounding words. But when the enemy comes, invites you to the table, you need to realize there is no compromise there. There's no compromise there. They will never compromise. The devil will never compromise. It's the Christians who go there like a fool and compromise. Okay? So come, let us have a parlay. Okay? At the value of, at the plane of honor. Okay? But he had discernment. Nehemiah had discernment. He knew they thought to do me harm. Okay? And that's where we need to know. We need to know who's inviting us. Why are they inviting us? For what reason are they inviting us? If you do not have discernment, we will get trapped. Because if he cannot intimidate you with fear, he will entice you with flattery. Okay? Because the devil is the original terrorist. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But he comes like a civilian. He doesn't come in that camouflage with all that rocket launchers and all. He comes in civil suits with a smart bomb. It's so smart it is can be in his pure leather suitcase. Okay. <clears throat> so please remember Second Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven. You do not negotiate with terrorists. The standing policy. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Nehemiah knew. It's a long way. This place is at least 20, 30 kilometers away from Jerusalem, and it's a very dangerous place. So he knows it could be a setup where they could just kill him. And then immediately it's over. That's why leaders are targeted. When a movement has a leader, they know if they go after the leader, the movement will disintegrate. That's why they go after the leaders. Why we are always encouraged to pray for the leaders. They are under attack. Their families are under attack. Because if you take and take, even God himself says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Okay. So we need to understand it is the job of the followers in the movement or the sheep in a church to uphold their shepherd. Because if the shepherd is hit, the sheep will scatter. It will scatter. So the leaders are all. And he had discernment because he knew it was to take him out. Because if he, they take him out, he can be absolutely sure the gates won't be hung. But then there's nobody. They cannot, they don't have the strength to withstand, to withstand. It's the same thing that have you see in the American political spectrum. They're after President Trump. If they take him out, there's no leader who can stand up to them. There's nobody there. Give me one name who can stand up and can rally the troops, as you call it. There's nobody. There's nobody. There's nobody. Okay, That's how Mossad does, Israel does. Targeted attacks of taking out the leaders of a movement of. 
They don't go after the, the whole cater. They take targeted leaders. And when you take them out, suddenly the movement collapses for a season until another fellow rises up. So you need to understand how this, this thing and the devil works that way. It's after the devil. So how do you resist? The question is, how do you resist? Let's go to words 2 and 3 of Nehemiah 6. Know the wiles of the devil. Come, let us meet, meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. So I send messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so I cannot come down. Okay. The first thing is that know your position. They are calling you to come down. In our walk with God, we never go down. We go up. So every invitation which you receive from anybody, ask this question, am I going up or am I going down? If I accept this invitation, where does it take me? Does it take me up or does it take me down? So that's a question he asks. Why should I go down? Okay. Should I leave the will of God? the purpose of God, and the people of God. Okay? Because it's a pretense of friendship. The whole plot is to destroy you. It is to entice you out of that place where you are safe. Okay? In the Garden of Eden, the devil pretended to Eve that he was her friend and caused them to come down to his level. That's how destruction began. They were walking with God. They were walking with God. By the time they swallowed their life, they were no longer walking with God. Now they're walking with the devil. They did not go up, they came down. Okay? Israel had the best anointed prophet as judge called Samuel. But the people's cry was, give us a king like the other nations. God told Samuel, don't get upset. They have rejected me as their king, not you. You know, because of their request, they did not go up. They went down. They went down. Okay. And that's the question God is asking. And this is the struggle of Christians. Honestly, let me tell you this. We looked at a part of it yesterday. But this is a struggle of Christians. Because the devil knows scripture very well. Very well. He knows friendship with the world is enmity with God. Okay. And that's how people, Christians and churches and ministries have collapsed. They have gone down by bringing the world in. They never kept the world out. The world out. Why? Because the gates were never hung. It was at the gates. It was checked. Everything was checked. Does it have anything or connected with the world, the worldly ideas, the worldly pr- principles, the worldly attachment, anything of the world over there, it should have been kept out. But you know what? They, were, they, they thought the walls were good. You look at any church in the world, any church in the world, and see how they began. You know how good the walls were? How good the walls were? And how great their founders were? And then after the founder died, the gates were opened. The gates were opened and they allowed stuff to come in. And Christianity churches started collapsing. Okay. So first we need to know our position. He said, I'm not coming down. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. <clears throat> he has raised up us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated? We are seated with Christ. The simple question is, if I and you are seated with Christ, why should I go down to the level of the world? Why do we always think the world is higher than Christ? And that's the principle. Why do we think? Why do we think? If we are Christ, if we are seated in Christ Jesus, then why do we have to stoop down to the level of the world? If I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, why do I have to stoop down to the level of blessings of the world? Right? Blessed are you, Jesus says. And I don't have it, but I am very satisfied with this. God says, you have lowered yourself down. You have lowered. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. But this is first. You cannot have this without this. That's why the Bible says when God prospers a man, he adds no trouble to it. No sorrow to it. No trouble to it. And even in the, John writes, he says, let your soul prosper. Let your soul prosper. And then let God handle, add everything. Your soul is not prosperous, you are at the pink of health and you got all the wealth, you are still destined for hell. So it makes no difference. So this is where we need to look at it. Level of the world. In Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. God says this is your job title. Think about it. You know what God's people are? We are ambassadors of Christ. Like if you go to New Delhi, if you go to that enclave, I forgot where all the diplomatic embassies are. No, yeah, Chanakapuri. Yeah, Chanakapuri is where the diplomatic enclaves are over there, and you will see those people are untouchable. You cannot touch them. They have diplomatic immunity, and the most powerful person over there is the ambassador from U.S. Okay, but think about it. What are we called? Okay, we. We are ambassadors of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Okay? And we want to go down to the level of the world? No? Okay? Do we realize that when we are sent into the world, like the ambassador of U.S. only speaks about U.S. He represents U.S. in India. He does not talk about India. He talks about America's interests in India. And he tries to advance America's interest in India. And God says, what do you do? I've given you a job profile. It's a profile which no ambassador can ever have. You're ambassadors of Christ. Whose interest do you advance? Are you going down to their level? Are you standing up and says, you want to talk? You come here. You want to come. We shall discuss your principles. We're not talking about evangelism here. Okay, We're not talking about it. Okay, We will say, why should I stoop down to your level? You come up to my level and we shall talk. Okay, So you need to know who you are. We need to know our position before we can resist. And Hamaya is very clear. He says, no, I'm not coming down. Okay, I'm coming down. The second thing, when you go over there to Nehemiah again. Six. Verse 3. I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why can I not come down? He's absolutely clear about his purpose. Okay, He's aware of the great purpose of God. 
that God has committed into his hands. And we need to realize God has committed a great purpose into our hands. It's called preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's a great commission. It's called the great commission. All power and authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. In my name go and do these things. The question is, Nehemiah is aware of his work. And he knows it is a great work, not because he's doing it, but because of for whom he's doing it. So he knows it's a great work. So we need to realize the work we do, it's not great because of who we are, but because of whose work we are doing. Think about it. You know, why is the ambassador from US's work considered great? Because he is doing the work of the United States of America. We are doing the work of the kingdom of God, representing the king on earth. I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. I cannot come down. Okay. We have to understand these fundamental principles. These principles are important. There's a story, actual real, real, uh, incident that took place of a U.S. missionary in China. He was working with some mission over there. And he was an incredible linguist. Okay, incredible linguist. And Chinese language is not an easy language to learn. It's a very difficult language to learn. And it was excellent. So there was, there are so many American companies in China. So so many companies tried to hire him. So what happened is that they offered him fantastic salary, perks and everything. And he said, no. Okay. They came back and offered him more salary and more perks. And this, he said, no. He said, God has sent me here to serve him. He said, my answer is still no. You think they gave up? No. Again, they came back and they offered him even more perks. You know how companies, when they want you, they will buy you from the other company, wave off everything. They will do everything to have you. You know what his answer was? His answer was this. He said, it's still no. It's not that your salary is too little. He said, it's because the job is too small. (laughs) It's not that the salary is too little. Okay, it's not the salary is too little. It is because the job is too small. We need to get that very, very clear in our life. When God calls you, remember the job. We are not looking at the perks. That's what Nehemiah did. He didn't even, he didn't take any perks. He was under the law, legitimately allowed to take the perks as the governor appointed from Babylon. He refused. I don't need it. Because I got my money, why should I take a salary? I don't need a salary, I got money. Okay, but this job is so big. You cannot entice me. You cannot. I still remember when I finished primarily with the underground church, my job was over. I had to come back. But I was working. The college didn't want to let me go. <laughs> they didn't want to let me go. And I was had my resignation letter. I had already spoken and I gave it. He wouldn't take that letter. He said, how can we increase your salary? I said, sir, it's not about the salary. I need to go. He, we was like, no, he said, no, Mr. James, I will not take. I said, no, sir, you need to take. I need to go. And nobody goes there. Everybody goes there to work. Nobody leaves because everybody is begging, please extend my contract, extend my contract, extend my contract. Okay, but you knew your work was over. I'm not there for a salary. You're not there for a salary. You're there for a purpose. And once that purpose is 
that place is over. Your purpose is in God's purpose is not ceasing. Only the location has changed. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And we need to realize it's not that the salary is less. Any job the world can offer us is too small. Too small. And this is what people of God needs to understand. When God has put you in a place, in a place, maybe the perks are really, really great. And uh, then you may move because God is telling you to move. And you know God is telling you to move. I'm telling you when you know God is today. And the salary isn't that great in the next company. It's company. You know, people do it for love. Our great Chennai David did it. <laughs> no, he did. I mean, he left his job in Chennai and moved to Hyderabad to marry the girl he loved. And the salary he was getting in Hyderabad was not even enough to pay his rent. But he left a very good job there to move here because he loved a girl. Okay. And God says, even among your midst, people do it. They do it, you know. Okay. Okay, they do it. You know, and that's what God is talking about. That's when I met him. Okay, that's when I met him. And now, of course, he's working for this massive company called Musk and all. Those times he was selling paint. But if I'm right for burger paints or something, he came just to take as a sales manager or something. You know what? He simply loved the girl and he said, I need to be near you. And I'll pay out of my pay pocket the rent. The salary is not enough. So even in our own midst, we know what people will do. I mean, you have the Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England. You know why she's queen? Because one king abdicated the throne. He gave up his throne because... He fell in love with, what is her name? Miss Sam Simpson. And she was a widow. And the constitution does not allow the king to marry a widow. And you know what? He had only one, two choices. Either not marry her or give up the throne. He gave up the throne. And he married her, settled in France and lived his life happily with her till they died. He said, the throne is not worth it. This is the person I need. And you know, because he did not have children... The royal line changed, and therefore you have an, another royal family ruling now. His sister or somebody became the queen. Okay, and why did he give it up? Because for a person, and that's exactly what Christ did. Why did he leave the throne in heaven? Because I love my bride. The only way I can get her back is by becoming like her, be a commoner. He became a commoner. The king became a commoner and settled down and lived with his wife till they died in France. If I'm right, my memory is right. And in the same way, Christ became a commoner, king of kings and the lord of lords, lived among us, lived for us, died for us so that he could have a God. And unless we see those pictures, and now what are we doing? We understand we got a great purpose. We got a great purpose. So it's not about the salary. It is the job. So I get irritated with people when they talk about ministry and they want to know what are the perks. There are no perks in the ministry. It's the honor to serve him. Honor to serve him. No. So the question is, can we also say, why should I leave the fellowship with God and fellowship with his world and come down and fellowship with you? Because it's not that the offer is not great or the food is not great because when the world calls you, they call to you the star places. But the company is boring. 
company is for. In Second Corinthians five seven. The minute you go down, I'm not saying you are sent into the world to work. I understand that and to witness. But when you go for any other reason without purpose, the minute you do that, you stop your walk by faith. So the question is, why should I stop walking by faith for your sake? You're calling me to walk by sight, but I'm walking by faith with God and with my fellow brothers. Why should I stop that walk and come down and walk with you by sight? Simple questions people should ask. Simple questions people should ask. And verse 3, be persistent. Okay, be persistent. Okay. Uh, three and four, yeah. Be persistent. They sent me this message four times and answered them in the same manner. It's persistent. The devil is very, very persistent. And companies are very persistent. They want you. Boy, they want you. Even about that same job, I still remember. I just, they said, can you come and help with the church? I said, of course. But only when I can. I will tell you when I can. I was there for another meeting. On the way, I just dropped in. Like I, t- I told you how I write my resume. No, nothing in the resume. It will be just five lines. Class 10, class 12. And my degrees. This is my percentage. Nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. And wherever I have taught experience. And I put it. From before I reached home, that man has, was calling me. Every day, five days a week, early morning, he will call me. <laughs> The principal, I mean, the senior guy calling me, sir, when are you coming? I said, he hasn't even seen me. <laughs> persistent. The world is very persistent. They will come after you. If they know you got what they want, they will come after you. So if you know, the devil knows you got what he wants, he will come after you. You know what he's after? He's after your anointing. He's after your purpose. He's after your call. He will come after you. He doesn't come after everybody. Doesn't have to come after everybody. Okay, and four times, and four times he said no. Every time Jesus said the same answer, it is written. The temptation is changing, but the answer is the same. No, it is no. I was talking to somebody who's been struggling for a long time, and I was talking to him. You know, why? Why? I want to quit. I want to give up. I want to quit. I want to give up. And something suddenly struck me, and I said to this child, "Listen, child." Not a child, but child for me. Okay, Two kids and all person. I said, in your entire household, your family, husband's family, your family, household, if I am right, you are the only one who is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that right? And said, yes. I said, why do you think you are under attack and not the others? What do you think the devil is after? What is the devil after? You're the only one who is baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're the only one who can pray in the Spirit. So you are the open door for God, for the salvation of others in your family. Therefore, you are under attack all Why don't you see it that way? And you want to quit. I said, why was Joseph attacked? Because he was the one who had the anointing. Why is David attacked? Because he was the one who had the anointing. Why was Moses attacked? Because he was the one who had the anointing. The devil is after the ones who have a call, a purpose, and an anointing. The devil is not after the others. 
The day you wake up and you realize you have a purpose, the attack begins. Till then he will keep you quiet. Don't discover your purpose. Don't discover your purpose. No? Discover your purpose. There's somebody who says there are two important days in your life. The first day is when you are born. The second day is when you know, realize why you were born. Okay. And Saul of Tarsus realized it on the day on the road to Damascus. This is the whole reason. What do you want me to do? It will be told after that the attack began. You know? And every time he's answered them in the same manner. Okay? You need to know your answer. Every time the devil comes, you know, sir, no sir also. Get thee behind me, it's a no. Okay? Get thee behind me, it is a no. <clears throat> it has to be persistent, stubborn resistance. And most people, like we say, has only wish bones. They don't have a backbone. Mm-hmm. I wish. But it's what wish? No? You don't say no. About Jesus, it says he set his face like a flint. Okay, everybody, everybody was trying to stop him. But he said, this is what the father wants me to do. Why? Because Ramba, the enemy, is persistent. Turn to Numbers chapter 22, verse 6 and 7. This is Balaam, the prophet. He had a genuine gift. He was a seer, but for sale. Okay. There are plenty of them out there. Okay, I don't listen to any one of them because they are for sale. Actually, there are very few I listen. I'm talking about the prophetic voices. Very few I listen. I listen to all of them once, but I look at the spirit behind them. And there are very few of them who are very gentle. And one is, of course, Ken Christmas. He's got a heart. You can see he's got a heart for God's people. And he has come through the rivers. The other one, the voice which I like equally is, if you wouldn't believe it, he's a simple man. Nobody knows him until now. But he sees visions, dreams, he prophesies. Okay. And he teaches and he sings well. But he's a truck driver. And most of his messages are recorded in the truck. And he has no no social media, nothing. You have to write to his post box and his wife will pray for you. Whatever sickness, whatever it is. That is their ministry. It's a truck guy. His name is Timothy Dixon. You listen to them a couple of times, these two people, you know what? They are genuine. I don't know how right they may be, how wrong maybe. That's not what I'm talking about. You know their heart is in the right place. These are simple people. They've got a heart for God and a heart for God's people. Okay, heart for God's people. And you can, you wouldn't believe. In this season, in these last three months, Timothy Dixon, the truck driver, is known to the prophetic circles out of the blue. And that's what I was talking about. God will raise up people whom nobody ever imagined. Simple people. Very simple people. They will cry. They will sing. They will worship. They will preach. And they will prophesy. But no aura. Nothing. Simple people. Simple people. But there are others here who are for sale, like Mr. Balaam. Okay, Prophet Balaam. They are the ones who come in a three-piece suit, color, purple, and all that. Okay, this fellow. Perhaps I shall be able to... So, okay, so they, the king Balaam sent his honorable men to Please come at once. Curse these people for me. 
for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, he whom is cursed is cursed. The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to, okay, diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Okay, Balak. Diviner's fee. You, they won't prophesy unless you give them an offering. Nothing is free. There's a fee. Okay. You have to pay them. Otherwise they won't go. You have to send them an offering. Verse 13. He said no. You know that. He said no. Verse 13. Balaam rose in the morning and said to the peace princess of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. He does not say, the Lord said no. He says, he didn't give me permission. Otherwise I would have come with you. Verse 15. Balak again sent princes, more numerous and more honorable than them. You have to see the persistence of the enemy. You know, this is buying a prophet to curse God's people. And there are a lot of prophets out like there. And they prophesy and people swallow it. But when you believe in their prophecy and it comes into your life for a season, it looks it was great. At the end of it, it is destruction. It is destruction. Okay. And we will see how many men and women, both priests and politicians, have been enticed. Come, join us. Come down and join us. They began well. Honestly, I'm telling you, they began well. But they went down. When they went down, they lost their anointing. But the problem is you have a profile. What are you? Prophet, pastor, apostle. I mean, all these titles you took, printed your cards also. The problem is now the anointing has gone. And without the anointing, you cannot do this work. And these people say, there's another place where we can give you anointing also. That's how all these people ended up in this circle. They began well. They began well. They ended up in this circle. Where they have a different anointing. They preach the same word. But the anointing to do miracles is different. And they got enticed. They are enticed over there. God also offers, the devil also offered Jesus, God also offered his son, but that is the way of the cross. It is a denial of the self, it is a serving of the other, it will cost you much in this life, it will involve much fasting and prayer, because many things will come out only with fasting and prayer, okay? But it will end up with Power on from high. Power on from high. But it's a difficult route. Most people don't want to take that route. Even Christians within the church don't want to take that route. Because it's not an easy route. It's a difficult route. It's a very difficult route. Because they are not disciplined. That's why discipline is good in your early years of your life. So that when you are ready to become that vessel, the discipline already has been set. If you come later without discipline, of course... You can, but you will have to discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. And that's what he's talking about. Why should? I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Why should the work cease? Why should I stop everything? You know, he was absolutely clear about his priorities. And our issue is that focus, absolutely clear. If You, you cannot focus if you do not know your priorities. 
if you do not know your priorities. Okay. And priorities, I'll always tell you, is very, very clear. It's God first. If you're married, spouse second. If you have children, children third. And church, the brethren fourth. And your work fifth. Why did I put the work at the end? Because the reason you work is for all these four. Even the soldier at Siachen is working for his wife and his children, though he's protecting the country. He didn't join to protect the country. He joined to serve his family. He didn't join the army to protect. That's because he needed a job. Why did he need a job? Because he had to feed his family. And even he's protecting, braving the minus 36 temperature at the glacier over there. He's thinking about his wife and his children. The first thing he does every month is to see that the paycheck goes home. That's the reason he's there. And priorities are very, very clear. When we lose our priorities, we do not have focus. And that's the issue. The issue is we have lost focus. That's what Nehemiah said. Why are you building the wall? Don't forget who you are fighting for. The glory of God and the safety of your homes. That's what you are here for. That's our focus. If we don't get our priorities right, we will lose focus. He would have lost. If his priority was very clear, so you couldn't entice him to come out of it. He said, I'm very clear about my focus. You will not be enticed to come out. And this is very, very clear. God, spouse, children, brethren, work. And the work is connected with these four. That's the reason. And if your work is not being a blessing to any of these four, then you need to change your work. Change your work. Ask God, Lord, am I at the wrong place? Because it's not bless, it's not bringing glory to you. It's not blessing my spouse. It is not helping my children. And the church is not also being edified. What am I doing with life? This is how we have to look at it. There was a famous uh, wildness. Uh, I read this illustration about her. And she used uh, a particular word she used. She said the issue was that she could never get, you know, musicians need time every day. They practice. They practice every day. They practice for hours every day. And she realized that I'm never getting enough time to practice. Because by the time I have done all my work, there's not enough time to practice. So she said she appropriated a method in her life which is called planned neglect. Planned neglect. Meaning she just turned it, the whole thing over. She says my first priority is to practice. So I'm going to neglect all the other things. And once I put that first, I suddenly realized I had time for the others. But whenever I try to do all the other things and then come down to practice, I never had time. She said, you know what? I decided planned neglect. What I think was important, I decided to turn it around and focus on what was really, really important. And God says, that's a simple thing. Put God first. It's not the amount of time. It is not the amount of time. It is the quality that you give it. And if you don't put those priorities over there, it's as simple as today. Today is very simple because we have all kind of gadgets available to communicate. You see, except when I am preaching, honestly, except when I am preaching, and I mean I'm with alone with God or preaching, I will pick my wife's call any time. Even if I'm sleeping in the afternoon when nobody disturbs me, she can. Or any of one of my children. 
I don't even, if my children were to text me, I don't even take seconds to reply. Because priorities are very, very clear. Very, very clear. Absolutely clear. God, 24-7. Spouse, almost 24-7. Children also. But order is that. It is not children and the spouse later. No. Then you will have issues in your life. You will have issues in your life. The spouse always comes before the children because the spouse came before the children. That's how the order goes. Okay, You put your priorities all correct over there, you will be able to focus. And you will be able to say, no, I am not. Because people are not able to make this, should I go or should I not go? You not even have to ask if your priorities are very clear. Priorities are very clear. Okay, priorities are very, very close. I'm just telling this as an illustration. How many years back in this? This is the year 2000, so it's 26, 27, 28 years ago when I was working for a company, you know. And I was seated next to the CEO. <laughs> Though I was much, much lower. But the problem was my cabin was next to the, not the CEO, the chairman of the company. He was a simple man, so we all had cubicles. And I was seated, My unfortunately, my cabin was next to him. And the problem is, this chairman, the director, the big bosses, all in one huge hall, different, different cabins. And the problem is, these guys never leave. They will sit till 7 in the 8, 8 in the this thing. And I finish my work, my table is clear, I have finished all the manuscripts, everything, and it is 5 o'clock. And I look at all the other new ones, and nobody is moving, because I am the one to join the last. So I ask them, why are you not going? And they say, nobody goes, because all the senior people are sitting. Until one of the senior people leave, you don't leave. I said, okay. I said, is that a rule? They said, no, but how can we leave? I said, have you finished your work? They said, yes. Well, what do we do? We just sit here. First day I sat. Okay. Second day also I sat. Now I am, I just want to go back home. <laughs> what am I sitting here for? I did not come here to sit here. I came here to work for my home. Third day, you know what? I, fin- I had finished my work. I put my things. I took my bag and I walked straight down the line in the front of all the others. Nobody said anything. Fourth day also I left. Fifth day, two of the others got courage <laughs> and followed me. <laughs> Okay. And both were girls. One was from HCU and one was from JNU. So when we were out, I said, he said, why, 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 why are you sitting over there when your work is over? Why are you, what are you here for? Who are you here for? Don't you have a home to go back to? Don't you want to go back home? Okay. What are you sitting here for? Why are you afraid? I'm not saying that if you haven't finished your job, you should leave, but you all of us finished our job. So why do you have to sit there? We don't have to fear, man. Okay, we are here for a purpose. We are here. We are in a company or anywhere for. Finish your work and leave. Leave. Don't sit over there. Because you need to realize this is God's order, God's priorities. You can ask my wife every evening I'll ask her, can I leave? 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 Even if she forgets, I'll remind. Can I leave? Can I go? Can I leave? Is my time up? You know, because priorities are always like that. Always like that, you know. You get those priorities all right, okay? And you know what happens? You, you are able to, you are able to say yes and no. You know what to say no to and what to say yes to. It's not very difficult. So it is very easy for him to say no. 
very easy for him to say no. Okay, so we do not allow the world to mold us in its pattern. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. What is the pattern of the world? Your company says, we own you. We own you. The world doesn't own us. God owns us. He bought us. He owns us. And then we have to think. So even when you sign for this private, this IT company, this is 24-7. Yeah, 24-7. And they will give you anything, extra time, overtime. They'll give you money. But money does not replace life. It doesn't replace life. And people are on, young people are on caffeine pills. Staying awake, staying awake, staying awake, working, 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 working. For what? For whom? Who are you working for? <laughs> what are you working for? Any, go back. Do you have a home left? No. So get the priorities. Because what are we building? We are building our lives. We are building our homes. We are building the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a big family, full of homes. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Many rooms. It will be full of people. Can you imagine going to heaven and finding nobody there? He asked Noah, which is the most boring part of his life. He says, in the ark, with seven people and all the animals. Nobody. 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 Okay, It's all about people. It's all about people. So close, close, please don't forget. The enemy will not leave you alone. He will come after you. He will come after you. And if this doesn't work, okay, threats, intimidation did not work. He came after you with what? Flattery? Even that. We will not go that into that today, but we look at probably another day. Verse 5, I want to read it. When that does not happen, verse 5, then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. What does he do? Changes his stuff. You can learn so much from Nehemiah. He starts into what? Defamation, slander, gossip. Why? It's an open letter. So the fellow is reading it. And by the time he has read Nehemiah, everybody has heard the news. What is in the letter? Okay. Understand how the devil will work. First is threats, intimidation. Order can change. Threats, intimidation. But he's still continuing the work of God and it is not stopping. He will try flattery. Why don't you leave this church? How much is that church paying you? Only that much my church can give you and we will give you this title also. Okay, What are you there? Worship leader, I will give you a preaching job. Come over to my side. You know there are hirelings, worship leaders and pastors who are hirelings. There is a pastor here also. He comes from Chennai once a month only. But he's paid a huge sum by the church. Just say that you are our pastor, we will pay you. Hirelings, plenty of them. Hirelings are there. <coughs> hirelings, okay. So if they cannot entice you, seduce you with money or flattery, next thing you'll say, okay, this fellow cannot be threatened or bought. We will defame him. So that nobody will listen to him again. How do you do this? Send him with an open letter. Open letter. It's an open letter. It's not a closed letter. It's like a letter. The you know when you were studying in <coughs> universities, IFLU and all. When we were studying all these universities, college hostels, sometimes the letter is open because some fellow is very curious, wants to know what is in your letter. 
because whoever wrote it may not have pasted it well, so he will try to nicely open it and leave it over there. Now you pick your letter, you have no clue. Does the whole hostel read it? Who all has read it? You have no idea. It's an open letter. If there is something in that letter which was known kosher, after some time you realize everybody knows it. You know why? It was an open letter. It's not a sealed letter. It's an open letter. And whenever it is an open letter, you can be very sure it is defamation. It is, def- it is to slander you. It is to slander you. Whole purpose? Slander is one powerful, one of the most powerful weapons of the enemy. Because slander will not destroy the message. It destroys the messenger. So that you know, people do not listen to the message anymore. Message anymore. That's the whole purpose. Okay. If this will work, the gate still will not be. Nehemiah. Nehemiah, no? His, his reputation, his character, because you know what? Like I said in the beginning, it's your character that matters. Okay. Because once witness is gone, work ceases. That's a purpose. It is not what you have. It is who you are. Blessed are. And they are coming after. The devil knows what real blessedness is. And he's coming after that blessing. What is that? Your your character, your name. And he comes after it. So what does he say? He has many servants who go around with open letters. Open letters. And there are so many people being slandered. And I want to give, if you are listening, or if you listen, I want to give to Naomi a verse from the Bible. Jeremiah 31 and verse 29 and 30. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. This is a simple thing. Somebody sins, somebody did something, let not your teeth be on the edge. Your father is dead and gone. Don't let them slander you. Don't let them defame you. You are not responsible. We don't know. We'll never know the whole truth of the matter. Sarah, Nathan, and Naomi should be left alone. And you have to receive it too. Your teeth, don't allow the enemy to set your teeth on the edge. Make a choice. I will not respond to whatever they say. That's what Nehemiah did. It's not true. I will not allow my teeth to be there. Are, there are ways to respond where the power and the backing of the kingdom comes when you do it. Okay. The father ate sour grapes. But my teeth will not be set on the edge. Set on the edge. And these are things which people also can make a decision. The kingdom power comes. Yes, my father was alcoholic. But I'm not going to drink. My father smoked 24-7. I am not going to smoke. He chewed pan all the time. I am not going to touch it. It's a choice you make. Iniquity does not have to pass down. Does not have to pass down. 
You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have an absolutely new beginning. Why don't you think and ask for the character of God, the righteousness of God to be passed on to you as he's your father and you are the child instead of banking on and hampering on the iniquity of your earthly parents. Hasn't everything changed? God has changed parenthood. He says, I am your father. And he says, my righteousness is what I'm giving it to you. Why don't we start thinking and banking on, you know what? I have the righteousness of my father. I have the habits of my father. Will my father in heaven smoke? No. Will he drink? No. Is he alcoholic? No. Is he a drug addict? No. He is not. What is he? These are his character traits. You know what? That is what I am. And I will believe. I, my teeth will not be set on the edge. Edge. You know, you break through. You break. You have to believe first. That is why the Bible says, all things are possible to him or her who believes. But to believe, we have to hear. So somebody has to say these things. And there is a Nehemiah who is willing. And the enemy is trying all kind of things to entice him, to intimidate him, and now to slander him. He refuses to buckle under the pressure. That's how true leaders are made. You know why? Because I know where I am seated. I know who sent me. I know my purpose. And I will not be dissuaded (laughs) by my purpose. I'm set on this purpose. And you know what? I still believe the good hand of the Lord is upon me to finish this task. Okay, And that's what we need to believe. If we believe we are ambassadors of Christ, that's a job profile in Corinthians, Paul talks about it. I represent Christ. That's whose I am and whose work I do. And I'm not going to allow that. We know the schemes and the wiles of the devil and we are not going to allow the devil to fool us. So this morning, we'll come back, we'll continue to pray, we'll continue to ask the church to stand firm, don't get intimidated, the devil will come. He will intimidate with words. He will intimidate with uh, physical threats. He will kill. He will rape. He will do all kind of things. Remember, these are all in all these nations where uh, you have war and terrorism taking place. You need to realize uh, murder. It's not killing in war. It's murder, mutilation, rape are all used as instruments to cause fear and terror. They're all, they all do that. Instruments of terror. They use that. It's been there for centuries. Instruments of terror. They use that. And church has also faced it for centuries. Not yesterday or 2000 years, the church has faced it. And the church is not intimidated by that. But if you're not intimidated by that, you need to stand in Christ. Stand in Christ. We pray these things will not happen. But when it happens, don't go into trauma. Ask God to heal you. Ask God to heal you. And believe like God said. You offered your body on the altar. The devil abused your body. If you are a girl, the devil abused your body. Or if you are a boy, the devil abused your body. But when your body was abused, Christ's body was abused. That's exactly what Christ told Saul of Tarsus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you? He said, Jesus of Nazareth. When every child of God is raped or mutilated, they hit Christ's body. It is his body that was mutilated. He felt the pain. He felt the pain. If he felt the pain, the healing also will come from him. To see it by that faith. We will, we will not go into something which we should not. Doesn't matter what happens to us. We should be able to say like Paul, I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. Many were abased. Many are being abased. But we know how it is to be abased. You know what? We are sharing in the sufferings of Christ Jesus. 
sufferings of Christ Jesus. We are sharing in this suffering and we don't buckle under pressure. We stand there strong. We know our purpose. We know what we are called and we will say no every time he can come. Four times, he can come. Forty times, we will not say yes to anything of his. We will still keep telling him no. We will continue building these walls and we will hang the gates and it will be always praise. Yes, it is difficult. You are lying in the ICU. Your body is uh, wrecking with pain and you got lots of trauma in your soul but I will still open my mouth and I will praise him. Then it will be a sacrifice of praise. And it will be a sweet smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. Like Paul and Silas, it was a sacrifice of praise. They had been beaten. They had been humiliated. They had been locked up. It was not just ordinary praise. There was sacrifice in it. And you are a real offering to God that day. And that's how I encourage. And we will go to God. We'll go to God and we will pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We plead the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Over all our churches, everyone who's tuned in, Lord, the ministries that are associated with us, every family of ours, oh Lord, the blood, the blood, the blood. Over our household, over our saved and unsaved loved ones, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. The devil has no answer to the blood of Jesus. He knows it is the blood that paid in full for our redemption. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the word of God says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We plead the blood of God's Passover lamb. This is God's own son. This is his own blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the devil, we speak the blood against you. We command you to cease. Take your hands off God's people. Take your hands off our brethren. Take your hands over our children. Take your hands. We plead the blood, the blood over them, and we speak the blood against you. I come against the spirit of infirmity. I come against the spirit of depression in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak healing. I speak healing. For your word says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Yes, yes. Oh, Father, you are the God that healeth us. Thank you, Lord. You are our healer. Jehovah Rapha, you are our healer. You said in your word in Psalm 103, verse 3, I am the Lord that forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Your word says, I sent forth my word and healed you of your disease. That by your stripes, we are healed. We stand on your word. We stand on your promises. And we invoke that name above every other name. That name is above every disease. It is above every, every disease has a name. COVID-19 is a name. Cancer is a name. Depression is a name. Diabetes is a name. Arthritis is a name. But we have been given the name above every other name. You said in my name. Oh Father, the name of Jesus. Oh Father, the name of Jesus is above every other name. Every knee has to bow before that name. Cancer has to bow before that name. Coronavirus has to bow and flee before that name. 
demons of sickness and infirmity has to flee before that name and we speak authority and power in that name every sickness we bind you in the name of Jesus and we command you to leave our children our brethren within the body of Christ oh and in our household leave in Jesus name and your word says if they have sinned your sins shall be forgiven the faith prayer of faith shall heal them and if they have sinned the sin shall be forgiven so we forgive Lord forgive them Lord we forgive them Lord if they have sinned Lord and heal them Lord by your stripes of Father heal them Lord heal them even those in the ICU heal them Lord you are the same God yes Lord your power has never ceased nor waned virtue still flows from heaven to everyone who believes it still flows reach out wherever you are reach out by faith reach out by faith reach out by faith reach out by faith and touch the hem of his garment this morning be healed in Jesus name be made whole in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, Gurji, be made whole right now. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Be made whole right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every unsaved loved one today, we receive, we believe, we believe, we believe, my God. We will be persistent, my God. We will pray without ceasing. We will watch and pray every backslider today, Father. We believe, we believe, my God, that they will come back. Every prodigal today. We believe right now, right now, my God. Take your hands off them, Satan. In the name of Jesus. Our children belong to God. Amen. They've been dedicated to God. They were set apart in the womb. They were set apart in the womb. For your word says, because of your faith, they are holy. Our children are holy. Even if one parent is believer, our children are holy, set apart to the Lord, and our children belong to the Lord. Satan, take your hands off your children. You cannot touch something that belongs to God. But God arise. And break the arms of the wicked. Let God arise and destroy the powers of the darkness that are after our children, after the next generation. Oh Lord, arise, O God, arise, O God, O Father, arise, O God, O Master. Let the powers of darkness flee at your sight, O God. For sky and heavens will flee at the sight of the Lord, O Master. How great you are! How awesome you are! How magnificent you are! How powerful you are, O Lord! We lift up Jesus, Lord. We lift up Jesus. There is no answer the devil has to Jesus. He flees before Jesus. We lift Jesus. We lift Jesus, O Lord. We lift Jesus. We lift Jesus. Baphomet will flee. He will tuck his tail between his legs and hide in his hole at the name of Jesus. Every demon will hide in their holes like rats at the light of Jesus, at the revelation of Jesus. Yes, oh, 
Lord Jesus, arise, O God. We invoke the name of Jesus. We proclaim the power and the greatness and the goodness of our Father, O Lord. O arise, O God. The Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing under His wings. And His children shall go out like calves fed at the stall of Master. Rise, O Lord. There is healing under Your wings, O Lord. Healing under Your wings, O Lord. Spread forth Your wings, O Lord. That is the secret place. That is a safe place, O Lord. Your children have found a safe place under Your wings. And under your wings there is healing, there is virtue, there is power, oh there is authority. Stretch forth your wings and cover, O Lord. Jerusalem was not willing, but the church is willing, Lord. The church is willing, O Lord. The church is willing, Lord. Oh, you cried over Jerusalem because you wanted to spread your wings over them, Lord. But today, Lord, we come as a church. We come as families. We say, Lord, spread your wings, O Lord. Spread your wings, O Lord. You know everyone who is not well. We cannot speak the names out here because the enemy is listening. But you know every one of them, O Lord. Oh, Father, touch them. It doesn't matter what the ailment is. It is irrelevant what the ailment is. It is irrelevant what the doctor's report is. Only one thing matters. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. In my name, you said, Lord, in my name. Oh, the name of Jesus. Oh, the name of Jesus. We have it all, Lord. The blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And the word of Jesus. Weapons to which the enemy has no answer. Oh, no answer, Lord. He flees before the word. He flees before the blood. He flees before the name. Touch, Lord. 